Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible marriage and family therapist, Jennifer Lair. Hello, Jennifer, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Today, we are going to be talking about rebuilding after betrayal. And for those that don't know, Jennifer Lair is a psychotherapist and blogger who is dedicated to helping people create joyous lives and healthy relationships. She's the creator of We Concile, a revolutionary do-it-yourself online education application that helps couples improve trust, intimacy, safety, and connection through established relationship science. Jennifer is a regular contributor to many online publications as well as her blogs, sharing her experience and expertise to help people improve their lives and relationships. How are you today, Jennifer? I'm really good today, Zach. Thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to talking to you. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. It's such an important topic, and it's one we haven't quite covered yet in this podcast. And let's first just talk about definitions, because I think when a lot of people hear about relationship betrayal, the first thing that comes to mind is a sexual affair. But some people say, you know what's worse than sexual affairs? Emotional affairs. But I'm also thinking that there are other ways that we can betray our partner. I'm thinking about like gambling away the life savings or one partner confides in the other one a deep secret and tells them not to tell anybody else and they go off and and shot it from the rooftops. So what does betrayal mean to you? Well, those are really good examples of of betrayal. There's there are so many different ways to betray. Betrayal is basically misleading, be, being deceitful, acting falsely, not being transparent, and it often in relationships has to do with the heart, our feelings and our emotions and, and what what we need in our hearts. And so there are a lot of ways to betray Sexual is obviously one of them, but addictions can uh, be a form of betrayal. The things you mentioned are betrayals. I can think of a, a couple where one partner would tell his mother about the relationship he was having with his partner, and it was a huge betrayal for the other person because it felt like she was being exposed. I mean, there's just different ways to betray, yeah. It reminds me of the common phrase many people know, which is that we always hurt the ones we love. And a huge impetus behind this podcast is that relationships are really challenging and we do experience pain and heartbreak and betrayal in our relationships. So my first question to you is like, well, why? Why do we hurt? Why do we betray the person that we say that we love the most? So I talk a lot about wounds we all have wounds with places where we uh, have pain, where we didn't get what we needed, where things happened. And those wounds generally come up in relationships, uh, in our primary intimate relationships. So we don't necessarily want to um, hurt the person we love, but there's just 
you know, we have our own, our own triggers and our own um, stuff. And until that stuff is understood and opened up and you start healing it, it, it's, it can sabotage your relationship. And that's a really, uh, a really common reason why we hurt people we love. And there's also, you know, you bring in attachment, attachment theory basically talks about how we uh, need our partners to be accessible and responsive and engaged with us. And these these uh, ways of connecting uh, can be derailed or not happen, or uh, we can push our partner away. We can decide that we can, you know, get mad at them. We can do a million things that hurt our partners because of our own attachment issues. Yeah, it reminds me of this phrase, and we often talk about it in restorative justice circles, that hurt people hurt people. And it's usually in the context of violence and criminality, for example, when you look at people that do do violent acts to others, oftentimes they've had violent acts to themselves earlier on in their life. And what I'm hearing from you is that people betray, people hurt the ones that they're currently in a loving relationship because of their old wounds, perhaps from childhood, perhaps from earlier relationships that have yet to heal. Yeah. So let I'll, I'll just throw in a few examples because it always helps clarify. I'm thinking of a couple and um, one partner was very hot and heavy with the other partner and wanted to, you know, really make the partnership closer. But then that partner basically started an affair. And if you were to really get down into the the root of what was going on, she was terrified of the what she was feeling. Uh, and she had so many wounds that she couldn't trust her. And so she decided to start an affair because she couldn't handle how hurt she would be if it didn't work out. Now that's someone with a fair amount of disturbance. That's not a what I would call a normal betrayal, but that that's an example of a betrayal where the deep deep wounds and the amount of fear attached to being close to someone caused that person to act out. It's true. There's like two sides of this coin, right? Because it is true that relationships will bring up our childhood wounds which can cause pain and betrayal in the relationship. But many people would also say that there's a reason those wounds are coming up in your romantic relationship is so that they can be healed. So how do we go about that healing process so that we don't betray our partners? You just got into the theory behind Imago therapy with our, you know, getting the wounds come up to be healed. So it's not that you want to avoid hurting because it's not avoidable. It's sort of built into the path. It's part of the journey. It's getting down into, oh, that hurt you. I didn't mean to hurt you. How do we fix this? Or, you know, what's the part of me that lashed out and why? Uh, Or why did I lie to you? Or it's really getting into what is going on in me that caused me to act this way? Or what is going on in my partner that caused my partner to act this way? And how do we start talking about the story that's underneath so that we can change how we relate to each other, which means we can build trust, we can be vulnerable, we don't have to hide, we can actually be who we are, we can share our wounds and our partner can help us with our wounds instead of us acting out of our wounds. You know, I would really love if, say, after a betrayal, both partners were of the mind to be able to talk about those questions of inquiry, to be able to empathize and understand and share 
about their own emotional experience. But I definitely feel like in the moment, there's anger, there's confusion, there's hurt, there's tears, there's how could you do this to me? There's accusations. So we'll just start with the big one, like an affair, for example. Let's say we've discovered a huge betrayal on behalf of the other partner. What's the first step? Okay, so first of all, before I say the first step, we have to remember that we get we move into our emotional brains, our, our cognitive brain gets hijacked by our emotional brains. So we sort of have to get calmed down before we can really get into it. So the first step, and the first step is you want the partner that cheated needs to be able to share their heartfelt pain for hurting their partner. They can't say, oh, I'm sorry I did that. They have to say, I feel so horrible. My heart hurts because of the pain I caused to you. So they have to be able to own, not just own the action and own the pain they caused, but own that that pain caused them pain. That's the start. That's the very, very first step. The betrayer will have a betrayee and a betrayer. And often you find defensiveness there first before you can get to that level because the partner who betrayed feels so guilty and shameful, they don't want to look at it and they get defensive instead of opening their heart. That's such a better statement than what nobody wants to hear, which is, I'm sorry that you are in pain. (laughs) Right, because that just throws it all right on the person who was hurt. And it's like, uh, well you're sort of missing something here that we're, we're supposed to be in this together, mm-hmm. you know? So that's the first step. The second step, and I'm just working right now with the person who betrayed, because there's also steps for the betrayee, but the person who betrayed needs to have disengaged contact with the person with whom they cheated. They need to be able to be transparent. They need to promise that they don't want to hurt their partner again and ensure, find ways to ensure that they won't. And this, of course, requires change. They can't be the same person they were because the person they were was able to hide and not talk about what was ever, whatever was going on that caused them to cheat. What comes up for me when I hear you say, okay, we need uh, the person who did the betrayal to promise that they don't want to hurt their partner again. And I know that comes up a lot. They're like, honey, I'm so sorry. It will never happen again. Don't worry. You know, it was a one-time thing. And it's not, right? It happens again six months, one year, a few years down the line. I know a few couples who had an affair, person profusely apologized, said it would never happen again. And then, of course, it happens. So there's almost like two sides of this equation. One is like, how do we rebuild trust? Because once there's that first breakage, it's like, well, I don't know if I can ever trust you again, because you said it before, you know, we got married and you said that you weren't going to have an affair, obviously. And at the same time, how do we feel that the person right now and know the person right now is telling the truth? Right. And so this is uh, really important because again, we're on a journey and a promise is not good enough, like you say. So The person who betrayed has to be willing to give out their password so they can, the text can be read, the Facebook can be seen. I mean, they have to go, okay, you're my partner. I love you. I'm going to let you into my inner world. I don't have anything to hide. And they also have to start getting to, and this is not right away. uh, This is part of the journey. They have to get to why did this happen? So did it happen because the betrayer has an addiction? 
a sexual addiction, say? Or did it happen because the couple wasn't close enough? There was distance, like let's suppose they had a child and it created a separation in the in the main twosome, or something happened that caused them to, to pull apart, or one person was not getting, there was something in what they needed that wasn't happening, something they weren't talking about. So you have to get into what was going on in that relationship that enabled that betrayal to happen. And it doesn't mean they're both responsible. It may mean that partner number two, the partner who was betrayed, wasn't paying attention to how to their closeness. It might not mean that. It might mean something entirely different. But that's a, something that has to be explored because both partners will be changing. They're both going to learn, have to learn how to be more open, more vulnerable, ask that their needs be met, be accessible, responsive, engaged. It's not this simple, oh, I'm so sorry, I will never do this that again. That's um you know, that's like the abuser who, you know, the, you get into domestic abuse where the, it's a cycle of violence and someone gets hit. And then, you know, I'm sorry, uh, we love each other. I, I'm sorry I did that. But then, you know, they go through the love phase and then they, the tension builds and then they, someone gets hit again. You don't want that to happen. You want to get into the root of what, what happened in this relationship. That's so important that both partners have to commit to being more open and more transparent and to no longer have as many secrets that allowed this betrayal to happen. Right. And I also love your emphasis on the meaning making of the situation. And it reminds me of in one of Esther Perel's books, she talks about knowing the difference between detective questions and investigative questions, because when there is betrayal, you're tempted to become like the detective, like, when did this happen? Like, did you orgasm? Did, were you in our bed? Did you, you, know, you love him more than me? And switch from like the detective trying to figure out all the details, which can be really traumatizing and become the investigator. We're figuring out like, why did this happen? How did this happen? How long have you been feeling this way? And I'm wondering, how do we make that shift from appraising the situation and being able to see it clearly in order to make more meaning and moving forward. Right. So that's a really good distinction. I think initially the betrayed person needs some of the detective questions answered because they're find, trying to find ground under their feet. Like, what was this? How could, you know, they're looking for ground, but you're right. They will have to switch to the emotional atmosphere that allowed this to happen. I'm thinking of a, a couple where one person was cheated for years and the, the other person didn't know. And in that particular case, she did need to know some details and he wasn't able to take any accountability at all. So that was a, a, a relationship that went down the tubes. But eventually where they had to look, what where she had to look was how she didn't hold him accountable to enough, how she trusted too blindly, like um, there were red flags, but she didn't, she didn't demand enough. She didn't hold herself in high enough value to demand enough. And so he slithered, I hate to use this word, but he slithered around for, you know, a number of years in another whole relationship so you do have to get to looking at, did I have, not that you're responsible, but did I have any kind of part in this? Why did this happen to me? What do I need to look at here? 
So you just mentioned this couple that, as you said, went down the tubes because the person who did the betrayal didn't take any responsibility. And I think for a lot of people, a strong betrayal, an affair means it's over. That's it. There's no reconciliation even possible after such a transgression. I know couples who the day before their wedding had to call it off. I know married couples who were married for 20, 30 years, happy life, adult kids, and an affair comes to light. And again, clean break, big split. And I'm wondering if you kind of have two things for our listeners. One is any statistics on like, okay, how many couples end up breaking up after an affair and how many end up making up and being perhaps stronger afterwards? And along with that, what one should expect the reconciliation process after betrayal to take? So I don't have the statistics. However, I can tell you that when people cut off like that, it's highly problematic because if you cut off, you haven't worked through what is possible. What is the possibilities of this relationship? Is it repairable? Can we heal each other? Because if you get through this and heal each other and create a new relationship, that's really wonderful. So, you know, the process is basically going through the steps of, deciding, I don't trust this person, but I would like to be able to trust this person. I'm not forgiving this person, but I would like to forgive this person. I would like to understand what happened. I would like to understand where this person got stuck or caught. Is this a pathological problem or is what's going on here? And I would like to understand more about, you know, me. I don't think, um, I think, how do I put this? When you just cut off, you're cutting off part of yourself because you're not giving any chance to see what is this underlying story here? Why did we do this? Why are we in this dance together? And I think you actually owe it to yourself to give that a shot and see what you're dealing with before you go, it's done. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Basically, when you cut off your relationship quickly, you are cutting off a part of yourself. You are losing out on something so important to you, perhaps that you've been in for years or even decades. And let's go into that meaning making, because I am curious more about the why, like why people have affairs, because there's a lot of narratives around why people cheat. Some say that people cheat because they're trying to fulfill a hole that is in the relationship, right? Like they're trying to find something that the relationship doesn't fulfill. And others would say, no, actually people cheat because they love their relationship and they want to keep it. Because obviously you could also break up with the person that you're with in order to be with the person that you're having an affair with, right? But you still value the relationship that you have. And still some maybe have affairs and it's like with a person they would never be in a relationship with, but it's the excitement and the adventure that attracts them that they are unable to find in their current relationship. So there's lots of reasons why. And I'm wondering, what are some of the reasons that you've encountered? Well, uh, I'd like to talk about your three things first. (laughs) Those are really good. (laughs) Sure. So, So fill a hole in themselves. That uh, would indicate they have a big wounding or an addiction or uh, a fear. That would indicate something that needs to be healed in themselves. And so they they go, go off and try to fill that. But 
they aren't dealing with what's really going on. They're diverting some of their energy. Uh, and so that's a, a big red flag too. Okay. What are, like, I'm thinking of a couple where the male partner was a chronic flirter and also had a hidden addiction that his partner didn't know about. And the hole he was trying to fill was really had to do with addiction, had to do with not feeling good enough, had to do with trying to find value, had to do with not feeling as good as his partner, like not as uh, valuable. That was his hole. So he had the, the affairs that he had, which he did have, did not help him with that. It was putting a Band-Aid over a wound. His work was going to be getting into that wound, his family of origin stuff, his low self-esteem, et cetera. So that's an example of, yeah, he had an affair for that reason, but that was not the affair. It was a smokescreen for what was really going on. The affairs for excitement. Again, we're dealing with addiction here, I think, because when you're in a marriage for like 30 years, you've moved out of the dopamine and into the oxytocin. It's not always supposed to be like a roller coaster ride. Some of it is, you know, being in a a life, an experience of life with not the same peaks and valleys and more of just a contentment and a joy, a, a sense of joy and happiness. And so it's coming to terms with what is life about? Is it all about, you know, getting off excitement and how, and there are ways, I believe Esther Perel is one of the people who talks about this. There are ways to bring that into your relationship. So you do have aspects of that, but it isn't going to necessarily be the overarching theme of and so some of it's coming to terms with what is life? You know, you're both 80 now. It's just not going to be that. It's not going to be as exciting as when you're a 20. That's part of life, you know? So, you know, be sort of getting real with what, what life is. And then um, let's see, they cheat because they love their relationship. That one sounds a little mysterious to me. Do you, can you say a little more about that so I can talk about it? Well, basically like one, ex one extreme example, I remember remember reading about was this wife in a relationship who like had an affair with like a truck driver. Right. And it wasn't some, it wasn't somebody that at all they would be in a relationship with, but because they had like their relationship security, family rearing intimacy connection needs fulfilled, they were kind of like, well, how about I try this crazy thing out? And a lot of times we enter into relationships because we love the person, but also we love like what this person brings out in ourselves and in our life, like maybe, you know, very domestic life. We don't feel very adventurous, very spontaneous. Even hearing you talking about the gentleman earlier who kind of had an affair because he wanted to feel validated. That also reminds me like, yeah, maybe at home you feel a lot of criticism, judgment, maybe just pressure from your partner. And then you find a person who tells you that you're the bee's knees. <laughs> right. I'm not justifying, you know, betrayal, but I'm saying that can be an additional incentive. Right. So this brings up a couple of things. One is um, if the purpose of relationship is to heal our wounds and evolve and grow and create trust and vulnerability... If that is the purpose, then you would want to say to your husband, if in this case it was the husband, you know, start a fling with this truck driver. Are you okay with that? <laughs> That's <laughs> what you would do if you really were honoring your relationship. So if you're not doing that, you're, you're, you're being deceitful. And it, there's also a split there. That's a person living in a split. It's like people who, um, they work to make money and they have another thing they do because they love it. 
it's a split. And so how do you heal a split where I have the security and I'm taken care of and I feel safe, but I need this excitement? Well, that's fine. It's better if you could try to bring it into one thing, although that's obviously not always possible. But what do you do with the fact that you've got this this split, but in order to live out both parts, you aren't being honest. That's where the problem is. Maybe the husband will say, great, I want to go, you know, start something with, with Julie down the street. So go for it. And we'll, we'll, I mean, then you're, you're okay. They're, you're transparent, but usually in attachment relationships, we need to know that we're important, that we're valued, that our hearts are cared for and going off and cheating because you love your relationship, that doesn't make any sense to me. It means you love how you fit into your relationship, but you aren't honoring your partner. Yeah. Hearing you reminds me how often we lie to other people because we're lying to ourselves at the same time. And we may be being deceitful about an affair with our partner because we haven't acknowledged that we're also being deceitful within ourselves. Right, exactly. That that person, that third example would be someone who was who was deceiving themselves about, well, it's okay because, you know, my partner is happy with me and I we have this great relationship, but I, I need a little extra spice, so it's okay. And and if I didn't have it, I'd have to leave this relationship. No, actually if you didn't have it, you'd get into couples therapy and just start talking about what was going on and you'd see if you could figure it out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get a little <laughs> a little activated here. <laughs> well, I was literally just thinking about the activation around it. And I'm wondering what your insight is on the person who was betrayed and their desire for retribution. So for example, they're like, well, if you had an affair, then I should be able to have one too. You know, there is this desire to like make things equal and it's a justified emotion, but no way is a solution. But the thing about betrayal is it's so one-sided, right? It's clearly that one person has transgressed and the other one has been trying their best, let's say, in the relationship. So what's the equalizing action? Well, well, first let's look at this, um, the response of, well, I should have a, an affair too. So what motivation is that coming out of? Do you really want an affair? Are you trying to punish your partner? Often that would come out of, I want to punish you so you can feel what I felt. You got to get down into what is the motivation for that? Because mm-hmm. none of the surface stuff is that useful. We have to go, what is, why is this happening? What does it relate to in that person's psyche or soul? There isn't an equalizing action. In other words, you hit me, so I'm going to hit you back. That could be an equalizing action. There's also, you hit me, I turn the other cheek. I mean, there's many ways to um, to respond, uh, but the equalizing action would be, you betrayed me. Now we're going to work this through and get to the bottom of this. And we're both going to turn into different people so that I can trust you and you don't want to do this to me. And you can find more connection with me and honor me the way I deserve to be honored. That's ultimately the equalizing action. I feel like meaning and knowing the motivations behind one's actions is sort of the precursor to building that trust. You have to find out what's going on. Absolutely. Why is the person who cheated, why are they struggling in their relationship? What is hard for them? You have to get down into that because who are they in a relationship? Are they someone who's just, you know, have a serious addiction that they don't, you know, they just are caught? 
Is it someone who's terrified? Is it someone who can't be vulnerable? And so they they don't know how to build the depth in the relationship they have. There's always uh, so much to look at in terms of, you know, why did this happen and what needs to be healed? I'm wondering if you could tell us about the timeline almost, because this sounds like a very challenging process in, in getting to the bottom of how it happened, why it happened, and then rebuilding that trust. And I can mm-hmm. still imagine partners who are able to move on beyond the transgression, but a few years come down the line and one person still feels bitterness. One person still has intrusive thoughts about them being with somebody else, struggles around being intimate with this person because they think about the other person. And We all know like the five stages of grief, for example, and I'm curious if there is like stages of getting over betrayal and how long it might take to get over such transgressions. So I think the timeline has everything to do with who the two people are and how they respond to the repairing. So let's suppose the person who betrayed is defensive. That's going to slow the timeline down a lot because there isn't any healing with a defensive person. And it may actually cause the, the, the partnership to dissolve. Or let's suppose the person who was cheated on wants to punish instead of wants to allow their partner to build trust with them. That is going to slow the timeline down. So the timeline has to do with, are the two people really willing to look at themselves, to open into empathy, to open into wanting to rebuild trust, wanting to forgive. There may be intrusive memories that come up periodically and that person may need reassurance over and over and over again. That doesn't destroy the rebuilding process. The rebuilding process has to do with the, the with the creating trust and I am there for you and you are the most important person to me and that I'm that's and I'm going to honor that over and over and over and over again and that is what rebuilds trust. Now, if the, the person who was betrayed on is so wounded previous to the infidelity, like they just have a wound that is, um, you know, maybe it's pre-verbal, you know, maybe who mm-hmm. knows what happened to them. It's going to slow it down. But so there is no timeline. And but it really, really depends on the two people being able to open their hearts to each other in a big way. Absolutely. Just the idea of having a growth oriented mindset has come up a lot on the podcast and how important it is for both partners to be committed to their own growth, to their mutual growth of their relationship, which of course requires uh, looking within and acknowledging the wounds we have, the tempers we have, the challenges that we have in building and maintaining intimacy. And you've mentioned attachment theory before, and you just mentioned how some of these wounds are like pre-verbal before we even learn to talk. A lot of our attachment patterns are set. And I know a lot of people, because of their attachment patterns, they enter into the same relationship again and again and again. And I can imagine that there are some people out there who find themselves again with a partner who has cheated on them. And they're like, the lowest common denominator is me here. So I can imagine a child, you know, they they grew up with their primary caregivers and one of them was a cheater. And suddenly they have these unconscious patternings that they aren't even aware of. Well, I'm thinking of a specific person um, who, let's suppose she grew up in such a way that her caregivers were not safe for her at all. And she had to fend for herself from very, very, very early 
from preverbal times. So you're, you're looking at a person there who will have huge issues with trust, will have huge issues with abandonment, and would have huge issues with needing someone. You're going to be in a disorganized attachment. So I, it's going to be, uh, with in this case, a tendency towards um, withdrawing. It's going to be, I want you and need to know you're there for me. And I am so terrified that I'm going to do things to push you away. You're, you're looking at, so you're looking at a great deal of, comp- you're looking at, uh, I'm, I don't know what to do with my feelings, so I'm going to punish you. You're looking at an enormous amount of complexity in terms of how that person relates to in an intimate relationship. You're going to be looking at control because when you have to start taking care of yourself from zero years old, you have to learn how to control the situation so you survive. So when you go back into, you know, and I'm, and I mean, way back, I mean, obviously later on affects things too. You know, how you were, if your feelings were dismissed, if you, you know, were punished for having feelings, whatever, but there's situations where you got to go back pre-verbal and what that creates in the psyche in terms of what a relationship means. And that's really deep work to work with someone who has that that kind of um, struggle. And they're going to bring in relationships that knock them all over the place because the universe is trying to get them to start unpacking who they are and how they're constructed. That sounds really challenging. (laughs) That's challenging for everyone involved, Mm. the person itself, the partner, anyone working with that person. Challenging. It is. That's that particular ground that that person has to work with. Yeah, I resonated with that statement that you said, which was, I don't know what to do with my feelings, so I'm going to punish you. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 heartbreaking that this is where some people find themselves in the relationship. But I was thinking earlier when you were talking about affairs, I was thinking about how one person, say after you've gone, gotten over the affair, uh, begins to use it as leverage. You know, like, who mm-hmm. should pay for dinner tonight, honey? I don't know, maybe the person who had an affair. <laughs> Right. No, that's really, that's really common. It's instead of knowing how to get vulnerable, they're going to punish and punish and punish. And let me tell you, that will take the timeline out way, way far (laughs) in terms of repairing. So why, why do they punish? Because they don't know what to do with their sense of vulnerability and betrayal. So yeah, it's, um, it's a really, uh, and it's really, really complex. And, you know, you've got to, or at least in my world, you have to change your your view as this is all about growth. You know, if you think of alchemy, you know, you turn lead into gold, gold, the alchemists, the old time alchemists were trying to let turn lead into gold. And then somewhere along the line, the the young the Jungians or someone got a hold of it, maybe way before that. And it was, we're taking what is obvious and we're trying to refine our our spirits, our souls, our personalities. We're trying to make who we are better. And you've got to hold that attitude. Otherwise, it's just going to be a tip for a tat. You did this to me. Uh, You've got to go. My life is about growing. And I have to look at everything that entered into it as a potential, has the potential to help me grow. Sometimes it might be about helping you walk away. And walking away can be growing too. But it is definitely never about punishing. Yeah, just hearing you, I really feel like a whole lot of the process is acknowledging what is real, what you're experiencing, the wounds that are coming up, the pain, the desire for retribution, acknowledging all of that, and then simultaneously committing to growing and committing to creating meaning in the relationship and being vulnerable and being empathetic with each other. Right. And, and you have to remember it's a dance. 
Each person can only do so much. You need the response of the other person as you continue to go back and forth and deepen into, you know, what this felt like and what it means to you, who you are, who you want to be, what you need. And that's a big thing. Attachment needs. I, I talk a lot about attachment needs and attachment um, fears. So an attachment fear would be, I'm afraid I'm not important to you. An attachment need would be, I need to know that I'm important to you. I need to know that I'm first. So people have to be able to get down into that level of what they mean to each other because without doing that, you, you're still not, you're not deep enough to create the binding and the, the weaving together of two lives where each person is integral to the other person's life. It's amazing how much of our behavior and responses to things just stems from a desire to be appreciated and loved. Yes, that's, it's um, foundational. And we often are disconnected from that. Uh, from that knowing. But if you have a, a betrayal, you will have to get grounded in that knowing with each other in order to get through it. You have to become grounded in your knowing. In the knowing of how much you each need from each other on an attachment level. So we've talked a lot about the really big betrayals of, of cheating and having an affair. And I'm curious about the tiny betrayals that maybe don't bring up such challenging emotions. Just a silly example is like you open up the fridge and you're like, did you eat that piece of cake that I was saving? How could you? <laughs> I feel so betrayed <laughs> because I feel like with the smaller betrayals is more of an opportunity for the person who did the betrayal to like make it up to them. I feel like there are more ways to fix the situation. Yeah, there are definitely more ways to fix the situation. Uh, however, okay, I'm going to complicate <laughs> this and then we'll get back to the simple version. I'm um, thinking of another couple where the husband did went to the store and forgot to buy something and the wife lost it because to her, it meant she was forgotten. So it meant he didn't forget the item. He forgot her. So sometimes the little betrayals are actually huge in terms of um, like, I'll give an example. So we had a, a dessert in the fridge and my husband ate his half last night and I ate mine this morning because I can't eat chocolate at night or I won't sleep. But I didn't give him half of, I gave him more of the whipped cream, but less of the fruit sauce, just thinking he wouldn't want it all. Not, and he was hurt. He went, <laughs> well, wait, I wanted more of that fruit sauce with this, <laughs> with this dessert. I was like, I'm sorry, I'll, um, I can, you know, make a piece of toast and put it on it for you. Or what do you want me to do? And I, I ended up just saying, you know, next time I'll make sure that you get at least half of it. And mm -hmm. that, that calmed him down. I mean, it made him feel like I cared about him and it was just an oversight. It was a mistake. I wasn't, you know, wasn't thinking. So the little hurts, you just have to acknowledge the hurt and you'll find out quickly if it's a little hurt or a big hurt by the response you get. Well, yeah, you mentioning the forgetting something at the grocery store, making the wife feel like she was forgotten does bring up again those attachment wounds. Rarely yeah. is like the surface level conflict in a relationship. It's not about that you forgot the peanut butter. It's not about how you put the dishes in the dishwasher. It's the underlying wounds and desire for love that gets triggered. Exactly. And this particular person had a huge, huge stuff about treat as a second class citizen. So when he forgot the thing, it brought right up, you know, I'm not important. I'm not, I'm not important to you. 
in a huge, huge way. And so, you, you know, when you work with that, you learn really quickly. It's never about the surface. It's always about what's underneath. Absolutely. So thanks so much, Jennifer, for coming on to the show. I want to finish by asking a question I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? I have a very specific philosophy, and that is that love is a journey and it requires vulnerability. It requires being trustworthy yourself. And I wish everybody also knew that love has stages And you have to be able to do the work to keep the love or build the love. Because after the in love stage, there is going to be conflict that are the differences. And how we navigate through those differences will determine what your relationship looks and feels like. So basically get on your horse, be willing to do the work to, to, and pick someone who's going to do the work with you. Because if you don't, it'll be a lot more difficult. Absolutely. And love is a journey, but it's also an amazing and incredible journey as well. Yes, it is. It is. A, it's an amazing, it's one of the foundations of what, what makes life meaningful. So it's, it's way, way, way worth, you know, it's worth whatever it takes. And for our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you, Jennifer? So a couple of things. One is um, on We Can Sell, there's a free relationship quality quiz. It's only 10 questions. So it's really quick and it's weekendsell.com slash quiz. That's a good thing just to do to, to see where you're at. I have a blog, which has an article on it, uh, Surviving Infidelity, which goes through the steps to go through uh, what you need to know if you actually are dealing with infidelity. And the blog has a lot, a lot, I post monthly on it. So there's always, I think the last post I did was on loving kindness, being uh, loving kindness in a relationship. So that's a good resource. Um, I'm on Instagram at Weconcile, Facebook at Weconcile, Pinterest is at Weconcile. And I also have another website with personal writing, um, Jennifer Lear, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-L-E-H-R-M-F-T.com. Quite the busy bee. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm a doer. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for taking time out of your busy schedule for coming on to the show. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We hope you recognize that we all have our childhood wounds and patterns that don't serve us. And many of these patterns cause us to create betrayal, hurt, pain in our relationships. But there's hope. There's silver lining. This is the opportunity for growth. And remember to heal from betrayal by committing to transparency, being open with each other, committing to empathy, feeling for each other. If you were the one that was the person who betrayed. You can feel a sense of empathy because of the pain that you caused your partner. And don't forget the why and the how. Create meaning about what happened and commit to growth and vulnerability. If you want to learn more about me, you can head to zachbeach.com and learn more about the show at theheartcenter.com. Thanks again, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 